Hey, bunch of besties. Welcome back to Bunch of Beauties. I am Sam Prevo, and as always, I'm joined by Jennifer Molia. I'm I'm here. We're here. It's happening. <laughs> we're we're back after some time off and we're we're excited. I just got done saying I was excited. So good stuff. Good stuff. Good look. And I am Ariel Melendez. And I Perfect. don't have much to head off that. That's Lovely. okay. Perfect. Short and sweet is what we <laughs> yeah. like here. Um but yeah, as Jen alluded to, it's been a hot minute. Um mostly I feel like it's my fault, so I want to apologize. But um life has just been crazy um i've had a lot of personal stuff going on and then i started a new job so things have been a little crazy if you guys don't follow me on twitter which like why aren't you huh jk (laughs) um i now work for bleacher reports a hockey brand only i'm not just a part of regular overall bleacher report i'm a part of br open ice so if you aren't following yet um we're a brand new brand so we're kind of starting from scratch with the whole thing um so just give us a follow at br underscore open ice on like that's our handle on everything on facebook twitter instagram tiktok everything we just don't have a youtube that's the thing we don't have. <laughs> um and it's been really really cool so far to like grow the account and everything but that's my little catch-up sesh because i've just i've been all over the place traveling dealing with personal family things dealing with new job new hours but that's me what about you guys how, how have you guys been i haven't seen your beautiful faces in a hot minute <laughs> i'm good i'm just so i think we're all tired and i think part of it is because mercury is in retrograde but this is not the co-star podcast this is mercury is in gatorade precisely <laughs> um but i have like midterms and like papers and like right it's midterm season fun stuff yeah so i'm just tired and the batteries in my body are low but it's okay (laughs) (laughs) because we're making it through we're persevering so it's fine oh i mean yeah it's aside from like the midterms and and all the fun things that college bring (laughs) <laughs> um, it's a, it's a, some of the same instead switch midterms to dying at work yeah and we're on the same page because it's that fun time of year when like everything in our department changes and we have Love to, to hear it. switch all the la- it's just it's really just label switching and all that but when you add in like the entire department it's not fun it takes a while and you, we have three people now in electronics so yay it's so much fun just it. chaos for everyone here. Chaos. chaos. Chaos is the name of the game here too, so it's all good. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I feel like we manifested this, so we should put it, we should we should put this first in our list of things to talk about because I feel like the PHF heard our screaming every week. Yep. <laughs> change change the transgender athlete policy, change the transgender athlete policy. And they did. They did. They changed the transgender athlete policy. They changed it to um, I don't believe this was the case before. Now it's the transgender and non-binary athlete policy. Okay. Okay. Um, I have it open. Um, it's interesting that the first, so it's in, it's uh, an excerpt from like the official bylaws of the league. So I'm not going to go through all of it because that would be ridiculous. But I find it interesting that the first two, like, you know, it's like fifth, it's article 15 in the phf bylaws for those digging through the whole thing um 
But 15.1 and 15.2 aren't really the bylaw yet. It's um, literally just little bullet points of the PHF, like how they believe in inclusion and how inclusion is (laughs) important. And then they define every term. So they define (laughs) non-binary. They define transgender. It literally reads like a textbook. Transgender, cisgender, gender, gender expression, gender identity, and sex assigned at birth. So I guess yeah. that how they are establishing what they define as those things. That way, when they mention them in the next bull- in the next sections, we all know what they mean by those things. Okay, cool. Now let's get to the actual eligibility guidelines because the first right off the 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 jump, I have an issue. <laughs> Literally, and, and I've seen many people have the same issue yeah. with it. So for transgender athletes, the first point of eligibility, okay, this is like the first thing. Transgender women are eligible to compete in the PHF if they have been living in their transgender identity for a minimum of two years. Yeah. Why? I I also had a problem with that. Where did this come from? The thing is, I know why they said that. Like, I could literally see, well, I can't say I know because I don't truly know, but I can infer why they said that. I can make a little inference with context clues because I feel like you oftentimes hear people say things like, well, like when talking about transgender athletes um, in sports, they'll be like, well, we don't know if they're just transitioning like for the wrong reasons. We don't know if they're transitioning because they want to have an advantage in the sport. We don't know if if they just want to have a leg up. You know, maybe it's just a man that that wants to play in a women's league so he can hit women, so he can do this. So I I can literally like hear the conversation in my little head. It's crazy. Um, like, <laughs> but like I feel like that's just so like extra and like you're really going like the extra mile to be like, well, yeah. what if this extremely specific thing happens instead of like a woman who has been out for a year and a half? They're like, oh, sorry, you've only been out a year and a half, even though you're very confident that you're a, a woman living in this society. No, you, you come back in six months. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just very like invalidating. I th- I mean, I can't speak on it because I'm not trans, but it just, it feels and sounds very invalidating, um, which is honestly yeah. the name of the game for a lot of this um, policy. Like, you just kind of read it and you're like, ooh, that hurt. Ouchie. Like, uh, <laughs> that, that's it. Thing, but then it's funny because then you get to the second point where it says transgender men are eligible to compete in the PHF such as Harrison, but if they are taking testosterone for transition-related purposes, such use must be pursuant to a therapeutic use exemption as determined by the PHF in consultation with the athletes, physicians, and applicable medical experts. So in this case, they improved on what they had before in the sense that before they were like, well, if you're taking too much testosterone, you're too much of a man, then you can't compete. But they took that away and saying, well, all you have to do is is work it out with the league saying, look, I'm taking this testosterone. It's approved by my physician. Like this is my my regiment or whatever. And Mm -hmm. the PHF will say, cool, you're you're good. You're exempt. Like, yeah, you're taking testosterone. Perfect. That's fine. So I think that that's like a big step forward in the like phf versus nwhl thing because their whole thing with the phf i mean we already like complained ranted about the name change and why we didn't like it but i think they were trying to push that their whole point of changing the name was we don't want to be seen as women we just want to be seen as athletes and i think that 
changing the terminology from women to just athletes also makes like it more inclusive of like the gender spectrum just in turn because if you were a non-binary person or you were a trans man like why would you want to say you play in the national women's hockey league like you wouldn't yeah so i think that this part of the policy even though it's a little bit confusing on first read and you can be like wait that doesn't make sense um i think that it helps with like the inclusion piece of it and like you said sam they they had had that thing that's like well if there's too much in your testosterone in your body you just can't play for us so i think that like solves that problem kind of well yeah and then i mean and then the last bullet point is just that if you want to come out you're able to do so which is yeah awesome like yeah Um, so then the non-binary one has a couple more point like a little more nuanced points just because you can be assigned female or male at birth and then identify as non-binary so this is what they have to say about um non-binary athletes so if you're uh, assigned female at birth and you are identify as non-binary you are eligible to compete um that's pretty simple and straightforward Yeah. yeah that would make sense um I think that was pretty much the case before. Now it's just in in writing. Um, now it says a non-binary athlete assigned female at birth who's taking testosterone for transition-related purposes is eligible to compete. So it's the same thing. That's a, you yeah. have to you know get the therapeutic use exemption, which is again fine. Again, we're not saying like you can't take testosterone, you can't be on T because then you're too much of a man. So that that problem that problem was solved, um, or is on the road to being fixed. Yeah, and then. Mm-hmm. The third one, which I find interesting, is a non-binary athlete assigned male at birth is eligible to compete if they have been living in their non-binary identity for, again, two years. Which, (laughs) again, okay. I mean, again, if you're worried about that whole, like, a a man who's, like, gonna come in and just so they can, like, body all these women or whatever. Yeah. A non-binary athlete assigned male at birth who wants to play in the PHF... They're always going to have a male body. They're always going to like yeah. throwing their weight around and stuff. So if you're worried about that, like then this, then I'm not even going to get into that because it's just, I think it reads as very frustrating because one of the problems, not even just in sports, just in like society as a whole right now, I think is that people who don't really fit into one of the two ends of the gender spectrum feel like they get just assigned to one side immediately based on what their assigned sex at birth is. So, like, you could have a non-binary person that's completely androgynous, but if somebody knows what the sex they were assigned at birth was, they'll just, like, if if they were assigned male at birth, people will always see them as male. Like, if they were assigned female at birth, people will always see them as female. And I think that this sort of, like, lets that happen. Like, it's like, if you're non-binary but you're actually a man like it's just not yeah and I understand like you need um to know like certain things like that like if it's like a health physical thing but like if somebody identifies as something like don't don't be like actually that's not what you are sorry to break it you I also (laughs) want to know what they mean by living in their non-binary identity for a minimum of two years because I feel like people have a hard time grasping the fact that people who are, you know, on the LGBTQIA plus in any of those categories or on, f- identify as non-binary or something, that's not, they don't, like, 
wake up one day, realize it, and then come out the next day. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's a years-long process of, like, f- learning about yourself, talking to other people, feeling comfortable in your identity, things like that. You don't just – like, some people feel that way from childhood and don't come out until mm-hmm. they're adults yeah. or adolescents or whatever. So I want to know what the de- – the de- like, the definition of living in your identity, does that mean – publicly being out or does that mean like oh my friends and family know but not the world doesn't know or like no one knows but I know and I've been doing it myself like however long you know what I'm saying yeah yeah and I with gender identity with with being non-binary you don't have to you know that's not a huge thing it's not like being transgender Mm -hmm. where you decide I'm gonna go on hormone therapy and all and like all that kind of stuff with being non-binary, it's literally just saying like, oh, telling someone, listen, my pronouns are they, them. I identify as non-binary. And then that's mm-hmm. the end of the conversation. Yeah. So yeah, that's a little s- sketchy to me. In, in mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. aside from the obvious, like, why two years? That seems kind of silly. I want to know, because they don't really define that in yeah. this whole thing. They just say living in their identity for two years. Yeah, I I think that, again, it's just, it's very invalidating, um, is how it reads. And I think that I've seen a couple people tweet about this. And I think that it's important that, like, we need to make sure that trans people and non-binary people and gender diverse people are the ones that are having these conversations, are participating in these conversations. Because when you have, and frankly, I have no clue if any trans or gender diverse people. I'm gonna were I'm gonna look at the re- the press release and see if they like said who worked uh, on this mm-hmm. with them because I am curious and and you bring up a great point that yeah, who yeah. I was just gonna this. I was just gonna say like obviously if me Sam and Ariel three people who identify as the sex they were assigned to at birth if we tried to make a transgender policy <laughs> it would probably come out oh, like yes kind of wrong sorry I remember <laughs> I remember know. reading it I remember now I saw. They worked. They worked with um, Athlete Ally, a nonprofit LGBTQI. They didn't put the A plus athletic advocacy group focused on making athletic communities more inclusive and less discriminatory. And they worked with Chris Mosier, a transgender Hall of Fame triathlete, All American, do athlete, six time member of Team USA, and the founder of TransAthlete.com. So that's who they worked with on this. Okay, that's great, but like that's one. I'm also confused then <laughs> why did they one. how did they come to the what was that discussion about that two year frame? What what yeah how did I wanna know what how they feel about that. Those the yeah. people they consulted on that. Was that something like because for all we know, they could have worked out like the broad like wording of the the bylaw and then after like Athlete Ally and Chris Mosier left these discussions, just said Oh, but they have to be living in their identity for two years. Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, sorry, I'm reading some of this stuff. You're good. Um, oh, they're doing virtual training on transgender and non-binary inclusion for the board of governors, executives, front office staff, coaches, and for players on all six teams. It's just like, like, I, this has always been a problem with NWHL PHF, regardless of name, that there needs to be more transparency because the fact that I'm here 
sitting here being like, oh, they should talk to more trans people. And like, if you dig a little bit, you can find that they talk to a trans person. <laughs> that reminds me of the tweet that's like, for a dollar, name a woman. Like, for a dollar, name a gender diverse person who worked on your policy. Um, it's like, like if you if you dig, like if you look for it, you can find stuff. But it's like, like they just need to tell people things. Like, PHF, this is me asking nicely. Please talk to us. Like, we don't bite. We're not scary. We'll be a little mean sometimes, but it's just because also, we love you. It's tough love. This, like, this press release also sounds like, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it's not to the extent of the Toronto Six being like, we're the first team ever to ever be inclusive. Um, but the athlete, this athlete ally company, their director of policy and programs, this is her quote in the press release. He, she said, the PHF leads in by example in prioritizing the inclusion, health, and safety of all athletes in the league. Fairness in hockey and the inclusion of transgender and non-binary athletes are not at odds with one another. Uh, we become a stronger sports community when we make sports welcoming and accessible for all. Like, that literally just sounds like them patting themselves on the back, like, yeah. look at us. 100%. Yeah, we lead by example. Like, also... No offense. Did you really prioritize the health and safety of your athletes in Lake Placid? I don't think so. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, it's the wording. Like, the fact that they had to say health and safety. Like, that's yeah. a slam dunk waiting to happen. Like, what happened to your health and safety last year? Oh, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, and it, it brings me to, like, obviously we know the league has problems, but I'm like, how can we find a solution? And I'm like, somebody just needs to proofread things before before they post like somebody who knows about the nuances and the feelings oh. of this fan base needs to like oh. proofread things oh you're gonna love this yeah? jen wait hold on stop chris, i'm scared this chris Mosier guy worked on the first po trans po athlete policy in 2016 what was the point <laughs> what was the point i know you like hey chris i know you like com we completely dropped the ball with this transgender inclusion policy and we tailored it for one specific person while also alienating a whole other group of people but can oh you God. come back and work on the next one <laughs> like and honestly i was why did i say honestly i'm gonna say obviously words sound to a like obviously like we know nothing about Yeah, this isn't this like this person. isn't disrespectful. Like, I don't want to be like mean to Chris. No. This is just No, Chris, love and light. Love and light, Chris. Love like he's light. a very accomplished athlete more than I'll ever be in my entire life and that's not to take this away from him. I just the choice it's where it's the choices by the league. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like that just looks bad on paper. Like you said, Sam, like, hey, remember our first trans athlete policy that was absolutely abysmal? Guess who's back? <laughs> the guy who helped us with it. Like, it's it's just, it's something new every day with this league. And yeah. I'm so tired. I'm so sleepy. I needed to stop. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I'm, it's just crazy. And then, like, honestly, Mallory, uh, how do you say her name? Sol Soliotis? I believe so, okay. yeah. Her quote was the best one, and they should have just left it at that. She said, transgender and non-binary athletes play hockey for the same reasons my teammates and I do, for the love of the game, for the community and the camaraderie, and to challenge and push ourselves to the best of our abilities. I'm so proud to play for a league that is leading the way to ensure all athletes feel safe, welcomed, and respected. Boom, the end. Yeah. We're done. Done. And, like, because that was minimal, like, patting on the back. Like, yeah. leading, the, mm -hmm. leading the way was the, 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 the choice word there. But, like, in general, that first part, you're correct, Mallory. You're you're correct. Yeah. Every every athlete who plays hockey plays hockey for the same reason. Yeah, and that's why I think like 
I was saying before, the two-year thing, like, makes me mad because it's it, it brings in this conversation of why two years? Why is that the threshold? Do you think they have ulterior motives? And, like, it just, it, it, it smells like bigotry to me. It, it just, smells like a little yeah. bit of prejudice. It smells to bit. me like... They, well, this is what it seems to me, that they're just so paranoid that they're going to have some issue down the road that they mm. want to cover all their bases. But it's like the the odds of what they're afraid of happening happening are very slim because, guys, yeah. I hate to break it to you, but there are plenty of other places for cis men to play hockey. They don't have to <laughs> they don't have to put on a disguise and like pull like a she's the man and play <laughs> like w- play women's hockey or you know in the PHF to yeah. play hockey. They can there's a million minor leagues to play hockey in. They could go overseas to Europe and they'll also make more money. Like, yeah. like it just Literally. like it just I like what they're so afraid of happening is probably the odds are probably like a million to one, but on the chance that it happens, they don't want to get caught in, well, you allowed it in your bylaws. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just so silly to me. And then the last couple things that they are talking about is like the process of coming out and like the process of establishing your identity. Basically, you just email Lisa Haley, the the vice president of hockey operations. You just shoot her an email like, hey, hey, queen. By the way, I'm non-binary. Just cash. Uh, and then, yeah, so then you could just, you just have to, uh, like, contact the league if you want to make, if you already play in the league and you want to make changes or whatever. Um, so that's, like, pretty normal. I just find it funny where they're, like, athletes willing to disclose their identity may initiate the process by emailing the <laughs> vice president of hockey operations. No, literally. Just, like, hey, it's, like, emailing, it's, like, emailing a professor in college, like, hi, professor, like, hope you had a great weekend. Just want to let you know that I am non-binary. No, literally. Literally, that's the email. Um, and then just that, like, they'll keep everything confidential. So any documents you send them, I'm guessing that's for like the medical stuff, um, Mm -hmm. that like goes back and forth. They're not going to just disclose that to anybody, um, which is also pretty standard. And then the last little bit is basically a list of things like be nice to trans people, (laughs) like treat everyone with dignity and respect, you know, common sense. Um, you know, the thing that we should all be doing, the golden rule that we learn in kindergarten, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's basically the last bit. So that's the whole mm-hmm. bylaw. I mean, obviously, this is a step forward. I think no matter what they put out, we're always going to find issue with it. But this is, of course, I think the yeah. big glaring thing about the medical, what is considered biologically transitioned and what is considered like biologically male and biologically female. Yeah, that whole issue was addressed in a big way. Um, so that's a, po- a positive for me. I think overall, it's like it's a huge step forward for for them. Um, I think what what I'm waiting for is to see it get put into use and actual trans and non-binary athletes feeling comfortable enough to join the league. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like we could we could like complain about this till the cows come home but like i said earlier we are three people who identify with the sex we were assigned at birth so it it's really not our and i think we all agree on this yes that it's not our statement um or policy to judge 
um, it, it really depends on what the people who are affected by it, yeah. like how they feel about it and how it's carried out with them, like how it's actually yeah. used, yeah. like in practice. This is all like us just from our perspective. Sharing, <laughs> yeah, like, just ranting. We see it, I mean, we'll never truly, we can't actually say like, I feel off- offended by this law or I feel like it's not enough or whatever, because we don't know what's enough and what's not. Um, but this is just how we see it. And these are our 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 little opinions and our little perspective um yeah as always it's wait and see what happens Mm -hmm. um so that's that that's probably the biggest news that we have i mean there's so much going Mm -hmm. on and we're never gonna hit on everything because the season just started so there's like a million different (laughs) storylines happening at the same time yeah um but i wrote some stuff down um anyway um i personally i would like to start with the rangers i mean as a let's as a go rangers for it. Fan, are we surprised but also we've talked about this i think ad nauseum but i also think it's worth just putting like a cap on it here with their first game against the capitals um that was done on wednesday because this is how I see it, and I was incensed the entire game because they got their asses handed to them, but it's more than that to me because they're probably going to get yeah. their asses handed to them in a lot of games. But the way this whole offseason was – Tom Wilson was looming over the Rangers this entire offseason, just in their head, looming over it. We know that their first game against Capitals. What are they going to do to combat him, blah, blah, blah. We all know the storylines. So they went out, they mm-hmm. got Ryan Reeves. I don't hate it in a vacuum. Get Ryan Reeves. Gallant loves him. They want to get tougher. Sure. Get Ryan Reeves. Whatever. Yeah. They get Sammy Blay. Fine. You had to trade Pavel Buchnevich. Sammy Blay is just better Brendan Lemieux. So, like, again, don't hate it. But then you bring in, like, Jared Tenorti. And <laughs> you have Dryden Hunt, who's still, who's in the NHL lineup over actual legitimate NHL player Vitaly Kravtsov, who now yeah. wants to trade, which is a whole other discussion. And you put them all in the lineup for this game, in the in which we all infer means there's going to be a bloodbath. Like Tom Wilson even expected it and said, "I don't want to fight anybody. I want it, I just want to play the game. So hopefully they don't go after me." Well, guess what, Tom? You got your wish. They didn't go after you. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, you have Jared Tenorti out there who barely, who I can't, if he's an NHL player, I could be an NHL player. <laughs> That's how I felt Put watching in. that game on Put her in. Yeah, was, I I saw a tweet sorry. that was like, she's still I'm sorry. No, the, the, last, the last thing I want to say is the last the last yeah. little bit. Because he was in yeah. the lineup for the sole purpose of starting a fight with Tom Wilson, and then he never started to started a fight with Tom Wilson. And Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves were on the ice together for nine seconds total the entire game. Yeah, that's, that, that's kind of what I was gonna get at. Is like I saw somebody tweet. I can't think of who it was. It might have been. I was going to say it might have been Marissa and Jemmy, but it makes no sense why she would tweet about the Ranger game. But if it was Marissa and Jemmy, hey, queen. Um, But I saw somebody tweet, like, the Rangers couldn't decide if they wanted to have a physical lineup or a skill young lineup. So they just never chose and picked something right down the middle. And this is what we got. And I think that was the best explanation (laughs) of it. No, that's a thousand percent right. 
that they just couldn't decide what they want to. And like you said, like the whole hype around like the Tom Wilson, Ryan Reeves thing and only for them to be on the ice together for that long. Like it, it's just it's like annoying. Yeah. Like it's a nuisance and at this yes, point. Peter, like, yes, Peter Laviolette got the last change. So if he sees Ryan Reeves on the ice, he's not going to send Tom Wilson out there. But again, yeah. that's why you had Jared Tenorti. That's why you have Kevin Rooney. That's why you have Sammy Blake. They were all in the lineup. All these guys who were at Barkley Goodrow, all these guys who are, quote, like gritty and tough. And that's why we got them. Did nothing. And then they didn't do nothing. On yeah. the, they didn't do anything on the others on the opposite side of the puck, on the offensive side of the puck. And there was so much anger that uh, Alex Georgiev didn't play, played and Shesterkin didn't play. When their home opener was the next day. And obviously they want Shesterkin, who just signed the huge contract extension, to play in their home opener. And then the cries are, well, he just signed a $6 million a year contract. Why is he going to play back-to-back? Why do you need him to play back-to-back to start the season? Why? There's mm-hmm. no reason for it. Well, it's a, div- well, no it's a divisional opponent. Guys, we're not making the playoffs. I promise you we're not making the playoffs. <laughs> I literally promise I you. I promise it to you. Especially with the way that they're making these roster decisions, they are not making the playoffs. So it doesn't matter it literally doesn't matter they had to if if Shesterkin was in net that night and he got lit up then it would have been why didn't they play Gorgiev why did they play Shesterkin on a back-to-back you can't win you simply cannot win much like the Rangers (laughs) you cannot win like it's that was props to Jen for that one it's just it was so baffling and infuriating the whole night like I was like I'm like sitting in group chats with people being like we're really mad about Georgiev right now. That is the last thing I'm mad about with this team. That's the last thing I'm mad about because you have Kravtsov wanting a trade. I mean, to even build on that point, like Ryan Strom is in the is in the league's COVID policy right now, so he couldn't travel to Montreal. And who did they call up? Greg McKegg. <laughs> Gregory McKegg.ry Let's Morgan go. Barron and Vitaly Kravtsov are literally right there. And I'm almost positive you don't have to put either of them on waivers to send them down to Hartford. So what are you doing? What are you doing? No, honestly, like liking the Rangers in any capacity, being a Rangers fan is just a constant back and forth of, oh my God, Christopher Drury, I love you so much. You just made the best move ever. And then five seconds later, I could run this team better than the people who run this team. And you just bounce between that until you die. Yeah. No, that's literally, that's, and that's being a that's Ranger fan. Twitter experience. It's either like existential dread or like we're going to win the cup playing the parade. Um, but I will give Drury props for the Mika Zibanejad extension. Um, that made again, me very happy. found ways to be upset about it. But also like, <laughs> listen, how he plays in year five, six, seven, eight of that deal are five, six, seven, eight years from now's problem. So yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to say is that there's no use in worrying about how he's going to play nearly a decade from now. Like that's a decade from now is problem. Like it's going to be fine. Take a little breath. Like, aren't you just glad to have him like locked up now? Because that was the concern for however yeah. long. Right. was like, oh, my God, they're not going to sign him for long enough. Like whatever. OK, he signed for long enough. Now be quiet. Let's shut your yep. mouth, please. Like <laughs> and and like we could I mean that's a whole other can of worms as well with like his extension the Eichel trade the ever everything dealing with all that I just don't even we don't even need to go there I mean there's so much going on with the Rangers the the six alternate captains but the main thing that I wanted to rant about and like I, it's just so frustrating is that like literally this whole thing that we've been waiting for this entire offseason that they planned for 
they just punted on it. Like, it seemingly, they gave up on it mid-game. And then just gave up the game because the lineup that they had put out there wasn't equipped to actually play hockey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it's a weird thing for me right now because I I tweeted about this in, like, my 8 a.m. class on uh, NHL opening day. So, shout out Women and Gender Studies 8 (laughs) a.m. But I, like fun class love it but i simply needed to tweet um i woke up like very excited for the ranger game which has not happened to me in multiple years for a lot of reasons one of them being like i associated hockey with like a lot of toxic bad things for a while and i'm starting to grow out of that love the healing the other thing that's a lot less happy and mushy is that Every time I would get excited about the Rangers for a season, they would have let me down. And so I was like, (laughs) it's a musical number now. So I was like, oh my God, I'm excited about a Ranger game again. Good for me. I'm getting my love of the sport back. I'm so happy. And in the back of my head, I'm like, don't do it. Don't get excited. Don't get excited because they're just going to be stupid again. And look what happened. Um, Exactly what I thought was going to happen. So that's not really um, vital to the conversation. But I just thought I would share that I got excited again. And they did that again. So I I literally was with my friends yesterday. And I was like, oh, Ryan Strom, COVID-19 protocol. Nice, nice, nice. Greg McKay called up. Nice, nice, nice. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. Like I want to give Ariel the floor to talk about the Flyers because they did have an insane game last night. How they did? There's breaking news from Fridge that I find. I was gonna say that's what I wanted to actually bring up. Help! Breaking news. Help! So this is this isn't like huge end of the world thing. It's just interesting. Um. So there's so Toronto. If you didn't watch the game, Peter Morazic is hurt. Peter Morazic is hurt death taxes peter morazzi getting injured um but toronto apparently is signing alex bishop from the university of toronto okay the university of toronto okay to an ato he's replacing peter morazzi as jack campbell's backup because they don't have any cap to bring up anyone from the marlies yeah literally don't have any cap to bring up anyone from the marlies this is apparently tied. Justin Hall is hurt. So Timothy Liljegren has to get called up. I don't. You can't make it up. You can't make it up. The Leafs, like, are just. I mean, after their. I, they're 0 and 2, right? If I remember correctly, they lost both. Oh, no. 1 and 1? No, didn't they lose opening night? No, I think they won opening night. I have no idea. So much crazy stuff happened opening night that I'm like. Uh, they're one and one. Okay. Um, okay. However, that's a fourth in the Atlantic right now, which I mean, we're not going to like harp on standings or whatever, but I just, how are they already in this pickle? I don't. In this pickle. I don't understand. They're in a pickle. They are in a pickle. I just don't get it. And so I just wanted to bring that up because yeah. the Leafs are going to leaf and I feel like this is a new level. I was about to say Leafs, Leafs have reached a new level of leafing, the, the Leafs if you will. have reached a new level of leafing. Okay, now we can give Ariel the floor to talk about uh, all the craziness. I mean, I think before the season even started last night, which felt like it took five years to begin, the Flyers are doing some things, some very weird things, because they had their own cap problems as well. 
um, when they brought in, was it McEwen, I think? They had um, $136 in cap space left. That was, that was it. Um, so they finally decided to put Kevin Hayes on LTIR, so he's going to miss the first 10, which was expected anyway. Um, and they brought in Patrick Brown off waivers as well again. Another weird decision, I guess they just didn't trust some of their other guys, because um, Garrett Wilson was there till the end, Jackson Cates was there till the end. Um, so I guess they just didn't trust those two as much. Um, and of course, days before the home opener, Patrick Brown's in protocol now. Zach McEwen obviously has to wait for a work visa um, before he can come join. So they ended up having to call up guys anyway. Um, and, and I did want to talk about one of the guys they did call up, which was Max Wilman. Um, yes, please do. I really, I was going to bring him up any if you didn't. So yeah, because because he had an, an you know an incredible story to to get to where he has been. Um, because he he um, actually, from what I heard, and I I didn't know this. Um, I found this out from Bill Meltzer actually that he wasn't even going to go to college to play hockey. He apparently mm. was going to just come in as a as a regular student, which sounds funny to say, but. <laughs> um, ended up getting the four year um, at Brown, tore his ACL in his senior year of college. So the NC, he was able to get the NCAA um, to give him an extra fifth year of eligibility. Went to Boston um, and was actually teammates with Joel Farabee. Didn't I didn't know that either until a couple of days ago. Um, but he had been drafted by the Sabers in I think 2014, which was the summer before his first year of college, never ended up getting signed by Buffalo. Um, so he came into 2019-20, like after his final year of college, no NHL contract, no AHL contract, no contract at all. And it was actually a couple weeks before the season that the Reading Royals, which are the Flyers' ECHL team, actually offered him you know, a contract to come in because they were dealing with a lot of injuries um, in their lineup. So they brought him in, and he actually did not play the first 10 or 11 games. I think he was a healthy scratch in 10 of 11, or I don't know if he didn't play at all. Um, and then he eventually got in the lineup. I'm not going to say, like, lit it up, but played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, enough to earn... I guess not really, like, a... I don't know if it's considered, like, a call-up to the AHL. It's, again, like a professional tryout um, up to the AHL. Um, did pretty well there as well and actually earned himself an AHL contract um, for the, I, I don't know if it was the rest of the season then into next season. I'm not sure how it works because I know he got the contract in February of 2020. And then this past year um, earned his first NHL contract with, with Philadelphia, two-year, two-way. Um, ended up making his debut last night. So uh, it was a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice story for him and you know, he talked before the game and was obviously very excited about, you know, this this opportunity. He had a bunch of family there. I think he said he got eight tickets um, for his family to come down and see. So that was a pretty good story coming into the game. Um, obviously, there were a lot of storylines for this Flyers team coming in because they made a lot of big changes this offseason. And, of course, one of them ended up not being in the lineup to start, which was Rasmus Ristolainen. Um, apparently yes. he got hurt on Friday. So did Ryan Ellis, but Ellis ended up playing and Vigneault has been kind of, I'm not gonna say like secretive about it. It's just been, Oh, he's day to day. He's day to day. Yeah. The, this, this, and that he was the same way with Ellis's injury too, was there's never been a clear thing of what happened, but 
he did say it happened in Friday's game. I forget if it's upper or lower body because him and Ellis had different, had upper and lower body injuries. They said he's day to day. He wouldn't commit to him Monday. Just said, we'll see basically what's going to happen. So Nick Sealer was in the lineup um, instead, but they came out kind of how we hoped they would, which was a lot of energy, a lot of puck possession. They kind of pretty much took it to Vancouver, which you would hope so. Um, and I, yeah. I know Vancouver's got a lot of young players and, you know, could be making a bigger push than they did before. But the Flyers played how they should have in the first period, which was, you know, take it to the other team and, and get a goal out of it. And and, and Travis Konechny with his usual chirping. Yes. And <laughs> what's funny to me about that is Travis Konechny called, what was it, Connor Garland, right? Yeah, yeah, he said to Carter Garland, he called him, oh, you're an angry little elf. You're, and I'm and like... The funniest thing is, Travis Connecting, you are the same size. So I thought that was funny to me that he called... He is our, our elf authority. The, the 5'10 <laughs> guy. And, and called him an angry little elf when Connecting, you are also the same size. And to be fair, are probably also an angry little elf. But that that was a pretty a pretty fun moment when I found out that's what he said. Um, just connect me in mid-season chirp form already. But then the second period happened, and Vancouver was like, nah, we're better. <laughs> and I Ford- think, well, I also feel bad for Carter Hart, because yeah. was a lot of, it was a lot of, like, bad bounces on his part. I mean, I feel yeah. like, if I remember correctly, because I did watch the game last night, and I watched the Flyers uh, broadcast, so I, I heard Max Wilman's story, which is why I wanted to bring it up, but... Yeah. Um, it was like it hit him in the equipment and like it went in or yeah. something for one of the goals and then like another one he thought he had it but then it sneak squeaked out like yeah those are just things that are reminiscent of last season for him and I hope yeah. it just like it stops because I he, I know that he's better than that I mean like yeah it just sucks for him I think because that's just also like a mental thing right you're just mm-hmm. like seriously every time I go out there everything goes <laughs> yeah. wrong so yeah, it was a, a lot of the same storylines coming up in the second period. And obviously with him, it, it's a big thing because you don't want him to get in that hole again um, within, his, within his own head because that was a big problem. Um, because, yeah, there was the one off the boards, off his skate, because um, he, he said afterwards he didn't get back in time or he said it came off the boards pretty quickly. Um, he didn't have enough time to, like, cover up. Um, there was one, yeah, where he just didn't know where it was. Um and JT Miller just comes in and is like, I found it. And now it's <laughs> Um, And then the other one was just a really weird one again. Alex Chason, who I don't know how this happens so often, where teams misspell guys' names on their jerseys. But he was playing with a jersey that was not <laughs> his name. But I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. And then I saw that it was like the Vancouver Canusk. <laughs> it's like, if you don't deserve me at this. You won't deserve me. At if this. you don't deserve me at my chase, <laughs> chasing, you don't deserve me at my chasing. <laughs> but his was weird too. He kind of drove the net, uh, tried to go five hole. Um, Hart made the save, and then it goes in off his skate. Um, and just a lot of weird bounces where you're you're just hoping Hart's not going to get down on himself. Um, someone said apparently at one point, like Brassard came down and kind of like put his arm around him just to just Aww. to keep him up. Um, Besties. And then obviously they they get a big goal, uh, Cam Atkinson's first goal um, as a flyer to kind of get back in it. And then I think afterwards is when the JT Miller goal happened. And you're just kind of like, it, it's the same the same story again. We're, we're going to have this one great period and then we're going to forget how to play hockey. 
pretty much. Um, which forced them to obviously have to come back in the third period, which they did end up doing. Which, again, story of how many games last season. But I think one of the more important things, um, despite the fact that they did end up losing, was Hart had a complete... I'm not going to say like a complete turnaround because some of those goals were unfortunate, but looked a lot better and a lot stronger in the third period and overtime. And, and it's one of the big reasons they even got a point out of it, I would say, yeah. um, aside, aside from the, the huge comeback and, you know, some pretty great goals. Um, Giroud's especially goal was like Giroud's. absolutely insane. Um, and he was asked afterwards because someone said that's kind of a play they work on a lot is the bank off the boards pass. Mm. Um, and he was kind of asked because you could, if you watch the goal back, you can see him like kind of tell Kateri, like, hey, do this. You can kind yeah, of see him put I can, a stick I can up see to him waiting for it. I could absolutely see Giroud waiting for that pass. Apparently, he was not originally going to shoot that, is what yes, he said. I, I, I think he was trying to pass it to Teeks, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he wanted to pass it in front of the net. Um, very glad he did not. Very glad he decided to shoot it because he said, like, it was a flat puck. I thought I could shoot it. Like, it's hard for goalies yeah. to do that. Like, thank you for shooting it, please. Um, but just seeing Hart play the way he did at the end and into overtime was obviously a really, you know, positive sign because it kind of helped to see that he wasn't going to let it get in his head. Um, and when he spoke afterwards, he he seemed like a different goalie than he had been last season, which was you could kind of see when he, you know, things like that happened, he'd get down on himself. Um, you could hear it. But when he kind of stood tall, like, I, I know that's, you know, it is what it is, but to see him, you know, in the in the post game, not down on himself, just kind of like it happened, you know, balance, weird bounces happen. You know, I got to take it one shot at a time was really good to see. And I know people said a lot of things about the way Vigneault talked about him last season. I'm not going to get into that because I have different opinions on that. But seeing him obviously say, aside from those two, because I know you guys have thoughts on that as well. So, um <laughs> Not so much but... thoughts as trauma, I think, is the word. <laughs> That's fair. Trauma. That's fair. Um, but to to hear him say, you know, aside from those two unfortunate bounces, like he played a great game. Like he was the reason, you know, he was strong in the third period and overtime. So despite the yeah. fact that they, you know, were forced to have that furious comeback at the end and, you know, the first home opener they've lost, uh, they had won the last five home openers. Yeah. But just to see the way – uh, heart rebounded and you know didn't seem like he was gonna let a what turned out to be a really bad period for everyone kind of spiral completely um he was a really big part in why they were able to to come back but it was just a very weird very fun game just because of yeah you know, obviously having the full crowd back in the stands which y- you could tell the players really fed off of both games last night were I was working last night so I watched both games they were and they had a lot of similar shades, I think. Um, I mean, back to the Carter Hart thing. I mean, on Pod Colson's goal, there was nothing he could do. Pod Colson is going to be a star. Yeah. Um, but like the Chicago, um, the Chicago Devils game had like a a lot of similar shades with like the comeback and like the Blackhawks looking horrible, and then they came back and they looked okay. Um, weird bounces, the whole thing, but. Jack, did you guys see Jack Hughes' goal, the overtime winner last night? Yes. Yes, I did. He scored this crazy goal, like patience of a Jack saint. Bestie. <laughs> and then he 
was so excited when they scored the overtime winner in the home opener. He threw his stick into the crowd. Can you imagine Jack Hughes just skating at you, like ready to chuck his stick at you? I would, my whole life would literally flash before my eyes. Like, I've been no, literally. I've been in the head with a puck before at an NHL hockey game. Like, imagine a stick just flying at you. I would, I think I would like have PTSD or something. No, terrifying. That's terrifying. Yeah, just to see that come at you. Yeah. Um, but you I, know what? Good for him. <laughs> no, honestly, great for him. Like I, I'm, I feel like like the two picks from that draft, Hughes and Kako, I think are having similar issues in the fact that people expected so much of them off the rip, and then they weren't exactly in top form their first two years. So now they're automatically labeled busts. When mm. like you have to remember that they were both a very young eighteen when they were drafted yeah. and they weren't the biggest guys. They just had a lot of raw skill. And that's something that bodes well for you down the road in the NHL, but isn't like Capo Caco. If you've seen his transition from his rookie year to this, to this year, he's huge. Now he's only focused on his physical strength because he wants to get stronger and up to NHL size. And I feel like Jack Hughes is on a similar trajectory where mm-hmm. you know, the skill was always there. He was just a, a child. Yeah. Playing with men. You know, like we I think we forget that even though they're professional athletes and they're in this league, some of them are barely 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And for yeah, for those I who are assigned male at birth, um that is a very like huge transitional like growing period for them. So I I I think Pews and Caco are a lot better than they get credit for. Um uh, maybe more so Cap- Capo than Jack Hughes. Um, but I definitely think they'll both take huge, huge steps this year. I mean, Jack Hughes already has two goals. So um, that was my little bit about the games last night. <laughs> um, I want to talk about this before Jen has to hop off. Um, guys, the Buffalo Sabres decisively won their home opener. <laughs> what do yep. now? Yep. Like decisively. It was five to one. They beat the Montreal Canadiens. And what was it? Three power play goals. Three power play goals. That's Jeff Skinner had two points. He had two assists. Um, was Sam, Jack how close is he? What? How close is Jeff Skinner to matching his point total from last year? Pretty close, actually. Um, <laughs> was Jack Eichel the problem the whole time? My column. Um, but no, that's not. That's not why I wanted to bring them up. I just thought it was. But. Um, I want to bring up, so the Capitals have already done this for a while now. They have individual goal songs for each player. Notably, TJ Oshie's is Country Roads. <laughs> incredible. Which, incredible. However, the Buffalo Sabres are now doing individualized goal songs. <laughs> I love this concept. <laughs> and I know where this is going. <laughs> I want to hit the highlights, not just Jeff Skinner's. We'll get to his. No, no, I, I know. Hit, I want to hit the highlights. This is a study in how many Post Malone songs can we can have? be a goal song. Because <laughs> we have Go Flex by Post Malone, which I think is an interesting uh, choice. It's a, it's a, not the hype most hype yeah. Post Malone song. Uh, we got Candy Paint, which I also find interesting. Strange. I think yeah. there was one more. Uh, but anyway, let's look at some other ones. Um Good life, Kanye West. Sure, jump okay. around by House of Pain is Will Butcher's. Okay. That's hype. These are all um, fine. Mark Pissick picked Bye Bye Bye. Yeah, that which one, is incredible. <laughs> that one I love 
so much. He's just going to look at the other team like, bah, bah, bah. No, incredible. Um, I saw the vision uh, immediately. Robert Hags is, I'm going to be 5,000 miles, 500 miles. So basically he's giving the entire arena an earworm for the rest of the night. Yep. Um, and obviously the one that we have to talk about, Jeff Skinner submitted Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus as his goal song. Now, that. I don't... Did he completely not understand the assignment or did he completely understand the assignment? I am willing to argue that he understood the assignment yes. better than anyone else. I think he did. <laughs> because the thing is, like with goal songs, whether you like the song or not, I think the study of goal songology, you just need a song to be like hype and fun and have the impact like you score your goal this is the song that plays is everyone going to be like happy and so what i do in in my study of goal songology as mentioned is i i like to imagine a goal being scored and this song being played and i think about how it would make me feel and let me tell you if i was watching a hockey game and the puck hit the back of the net the horn went off and i heard so I put my hands up there playing my song, The Butterflies Fly Away. I would be ecstatic, personally. <laughs> this is I, true. It would be Funky Monkey Friday, and I would have to go ape. It would be Funky Monkey Oh, my Friday. God. That is all I had. And, like, like you said with I the post songs, that. like, if, if somebody scored a goal and, like, the horn went off and it was, like, candy paint, like, I'm sleeping. I'm napping. I'm asleep. Party in the USA, however. I'm I'm intrigued that no one picked no one picked Bring Them Out. Yeah. By yeah. Uh, Ti yeah. Daisy. Like bring that would be out, a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess we know what Jen's pick is, but if if you guys had a goal song, oh, do you guys Jesus know what God. your your goal song would be? Well, maybe not necessarily Party in the USA. That's a good one though. Let's think. I'm gonna Let's go to my like save. I'm going to my Hurricanes playoff hype playlist because I need to go like look at the songs I have on my phone. I have songs like, right? like like lift me up, right? Like party up by DMX. That's a good one. But I feel, but I think that that used to that used to be their goal their goal song. I think I'm like literally looking through my playlist. Like, do I even? have I also songs feel like you like... gotta. I mean, it's hard because you gotta pick a song that has a good has a good stretch that isn't explicit, right? I know that's what okay. I'm also like. Okay, so I have mine. Don't Is everyone out. ready? Is everyone ready? Yeah. If I was a hockey player, my goal song would be. Actually, I have two. We can alternate every time I score a goal. One, <laughs> New Romantics by Taylor Swift, or two, oh Happily by One Direction. <laughs> Those are my oh choices. Oh my That's god! Beautiful. Happily, 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 Jen is back. Okay, now I don't no, feel like, as much that I thought about a Taylor Swift song. No, like that it's would go absolutely crazy. Songs. Like either of those would be so hype. No, Why I'm do like, I? Think, okay, I I will admit when Team USA and the World Juniors had "It's Tricky" as their as their goal song, that went off. It did. Like. Same thing when the goal, like the puck was in the back of that, and then you just hear like it's tricky, womp womp, tricky, 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 just tricky. Like you go so off. hype. Maybe run this town zero to a hundred by Drake. That's also a good. See, all these good songs, and they said Post Malone greatest hits. Here you go. <laughs> I also think okay, maybe this is the most on brand thing for me because I am a I am a noted meme lord and shit poster. 
I feel like my goal song should be Never Gonna Give You Up. That would also be incredible. Yes. Just, like, we're no strangers to love. Like, as soon as no, I spell I feel like that would be good. Like, genuinely. I honestly, that's it. That's it. I'm going to rickroll for my goal song. My goal song, guys. If I ever make the NHL or the PHF and get a goal song. <laughs> I will do, I will rickroll the entire arena. Please, absolutely. No, as um, you should. I'm <laughs> looking through everything. Um, it's only- hard. Like I said, you got to find like a verse that doesn't have a swear in it or has like a radio version without the swear I know, in I it. I don't have any songs on here that are like 100%. Because the only thing I can think of is what the Flyers used to use that everybody hated, which was the, which was light them up. Because I thought oh, that was literally a perfect. My follow up boy? Because like light them up. Yeah. Like my that's songs the, know what you did in the dark. Only parentheses. That's the only thing that I can think of because I like I enjoyed that goal song so much because I thought it was perfect. But then I think the NHL like overplayed it so much that it just became like okay, there's certain songs like that, like hey, yeah. "Look My Made It" or yeah. like "High mm-hmm. Hopes." Both yeah, of which Although, I thought about. Vegas has "Vegas Lights" by Panic at the Disco as their I love goal that. song, which is perfect that's fair it's very it's perfect and i respect it i mean i mean now i feel like this is a discussion of goal songs but as it should be um <laughs> chelsea dagger is one of the best as like feel what you yeah. want to feel that, about the blackhawks but that, chelsea dagger uh, is hype as a goal song i can't that song has burned me i know well for you it's it okay has, yes but it's good and fun for the for the for the rangers fans in the room <laughs> um well the rangers have the best goal song and it's unique like it's just their goal song um also jen is it goal or whoa please tell me you know the right answer why would In it be whoa why why would it not be goal they just scored a goal people think it's whoa no but like why would it be like what's <laughs> your no what's Ariel, your like, prerogative like goal song right um i would Where have to listen like, to it again goal. but like, da, 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 da. I like would have one. to listen to it again, but even off the bat, I it's goal. Like, yeah, why would it not be goal? And then, and it's stupid because on the jumbotron they put goal in big ass letters. Like, <laughs> no, literally, I was like, they tell you the answer. Because <laughs> I saw a, a poll on Twitter before the season started, and people were like, "Is it whoa or goal?" And I'm, and people were voting for whoa. I'm like, question mark. On the Sabres, on the Sabres tweet of the list, by the way, the first reply, my neck, my back, submitted by Jack Eichel. <laughs> I saw oh. that. I saw that and I didn't know whether to laugh or like <laughs> I laughed. That's kind so of incredible. Hard. Um also and then the next reply was I know Mark Pizzik picked bye bye bye, but that song could be for Eichel as well. No, yeah, I did. I did see the replies. Yeah, I did see that. <sighs> Happy Twitter, guys. Um, do you are you guys into this whole vibe of individual player goal yes. songs, or do you think that like we should stick with the whole like the team has one goal song and doesn't matter who scores, you hear one goal song. I think more. I re- do individual. I, I really like fun. the individual ones, and I think that like oh, no, I was going to say it's. It's a good way to come up with like um like a way to show the personality of the players because we say that a lot that like they're kind of forced to be like robots in some sense and not really show off like their individuality and their um personalities. So 
I think that's a really cool way for them to show off like their uniqueness and their personalities. And I also think a cool thing to do, I was thinking about this the other day, would be like you can have a team goal song for like most of the goals or like specifically overtime or the first goal of the game, something like you can still delegate the team goal song for some things. But like if a player has a milestone or like a specific player like hasn't like scored in a while, like you could like pull it out or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's like there's something cool to be done with like combining team goal songs and player goal songs. I think it's a very I, cool idea. I do say I like the team. I do like I think both concepts are fine. I don't like particularly feel strongly one way or another because I see the draws of both. Yeah. Um, cause like, I would hate to see like in the Rangers case, I would hate to see like this original song. That's their goal song. It's nothing else. It's not like a song song mm-hmm. that get taken away. Cause that's such, that's so like traditional and that's something yeah, that's ingrained yeah. into my childhood. But at the same time, I agree about the personality side of it. And I totally forget what I was going to say, but I, I think a cool concept would also be each every game each player comes up with like every player has a warm-up mix that they submit and yeah. then mm-hmm. every game they play a different player's warm-up mix i think that could be something cool as well that would be cool yeah i think the flyers may have done that when delzada was there i think he well, came up with the EJ. that's exactly i think i think they did that when he was there I oh i was talking about Delzato. the team voted goal song I love the team voted goal song because that's how we ended up with Hollow Notes Dreams Come True for the Leafs. Which is iconic now. <laughs> Which is, I don't know how a group of like 20 somethings decided that You Make My Dreams Come True by Hollow Notes is uh, an appropriate goal song, but I'm not mad about it. And I don't, I love it. When Incredible. they, whenever they score, just what I want. It's so <laughs> like, good. You know, just vibe, vibe out. Like a fly in the bird as a kettle. Um, so true. But With that's that. my little goal song spiel because I think it's hilarious. and I love it. Uh, I wanted all three of us in on that conversation in case Jen had to hop out because um, I know Jen has a busy day. Um, but yeah, so more teams for individual goal songs, please. Please. Yes. This is me asking nicely. More teams get individual goal songs, por favor. Also, uh, Jen, completely unrelated, and I just want to hear your reaction to this before we head out. Um, Animal Crossing and their new update will have farming oh. and cooking. I'm okay. I have like so many thoughts on this. This can be what we end on because I feel very passionately about this. I honestly have not played Animal Crossing in a very long time. I fell off so hard with it. I played it religiously like summer, spring, summer, fall of 2020. And then I just fell off so bad, like in the winter and like obviously to now. It's probably been like not a year since I've played, but it's been a long time. And seeing this on Twitter, I was like, I'm back. I was like, I don't care. We're back. We're here. I was back before this because they're bringing back Brewster in the museum cafe, and they're that doing was... that too. Yes, and it was it was my favorite part of my old Animal Crossing games. I would literally go like, and then when KK was there, and like you like you know now they have the KK concerts or whatever. But KK yeah. used to go to Brewster's cafe. Mm-hmm. This is a very niche conversation, but I'm very excited about it. And they're expanding Harv's Island, so you can build like a whole <gasps> shops plaza with like. All with like kicks in Savannah and Sahara and Wait, whatever the name is and everything. That's so like, cute. It's gonna be this update is gonna be huge, and I'm they just when I thought I was out, they pulled me right back in. No, I'm literally back. Um. Also, this is the last thing. This is the last hockey thing. Uh, Alex Kerfoot said about Alex Bishop, this new ATO goalie from Toronto. I haven't spoken to him yet, but I didn't score on him, so he must be good. <laughs> 
because that's our measuring stick. If Alex okay. Kerfoot can't score on him, well, God damn it, he's going to be the best backup goalie the Leafs have ever seen. Incredible. Amazing. Mm. Oh, the Leafs. What a, keeping things interesting. As always. As always. All right, well, that was an action-packed <laughs> week back. That was fun. I'm excited to be back with you ladies. Yeah. I missed well. you guys in our chance, our rants about nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our rants about everything. Everything and nothing. All at once. So true. All right, guys. But we're at about an hour. I know Jen has to scoot. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sticking around. We appreciate it. Life is crazy sometimes, and sometimes you need a break. Um, But we're back. We are. You can't, you can't get rid of us that easily. <laughs> so if you enjoyed, thank you for listening. And hopefully you will follow us on Twitter at Beauties Pod and follow us on whatever streaming service you're listening to us on and maybe perhaps listen to past episodes if you haven't. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.